All right, Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. You and I are sitting currently in a corner of the Indiana, Indiana Convention Center waiting patiently for something interesting to happen. The, we heard from Kevin O'Connell. We heard from Quasi Adolfo Mensa of the Vikings. We've been in Indianapolis this week hearing from plenty of NFL power brokers who say a lot without saying very much. And so let's jump right into it with Kirk. What was said about Kirk that means something from what we heard? Yeah, I think there were a few things that were uh, really meaningful. Uh, one of them was that Quasi Adafo Mensa seemed to recognize that Kirk Cousins is good under certain circumstances, but the second part of that sentence that isn't said out loud is that he's not good under other circumstances. And so when he says, when things are right around him, I'm not getting the quote exactly right, but that was basically what he said. When things are right around him, that he's a very good quarterback. And I don't think that anybody disputes that. Um, realistically, it, you know, we've talked to how many people now. I don't know that anyone actually disputes what Kirk Cousins is. In the league, I, I don't think that's actually a thing at all, uh, that there's a pretty good understanding of what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are. He's going to be 34 years old. This is not like new breaking information. There's a huge sample size. But when you hear it said by Quasi Adafo Mensa, and then the follow-up when we ask Kevin O'Connell about playing off schedule, and he talks about how everybody wants someone who can play off schedule, you sort of go like, I think these guys are kind of putting out the little signals of, well, we like Kirk, but... And, you know, there were a lot of other things that hinted at that as well. Quasi Adolfo Mensa said that there's, like, he kind of compared the next-year solution versus the five-year solution, and I think that was pretty clear, like, that you're saying Kirk Cousins might not be the five-year solution when he said... I'm sorry if you were going to bring up more quotes, but these are all the ones that stuck out to me. When he said that uh, Kirk is going to do the best thing for Kirk, you're like, well, the best thing for Kirk actually isn't staying here on an extension right now because there is a smoldering uh, you know, mountain of money that's about to explode in the NFL in the form of TV contracts, and quarterbacks are going to make 50 mil easy at some point, and that point is not far in the future. So if you are Mike McCartney... Why do you sign an extension now for 38 mil a year if that could be 50 if Kirk has another big year wherever he might be? And so I think that the question really isn't, are they going to keep him long term or short term? I think short term is the the answer, the maximum answer. It's whether someone will offer them enough to actually make a trade. That, to me, is what it really comes down to after listening to these guys talk. Now, I could be misreading them. We are just getting to know them. So reading between the lines, maybe we're not quite as gifted as we were with Zimmer and Spielman. <laughs> and most of the time, Zimmer didn't need to read between no, the lines. He, he just yeah. said it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that you know when Josh McDaniels today talked about Derek Carr, he said he's absolutely our quarterback. Like, there's no question about it. And they have not at all had that sort of definitive statement about Kirk Cousins. To me, that is telling the rest of the league, we're open for business, we'll take your phone calls. I really did think that every time you hear Kevin O'Connell talk about Matthew Stafford, it, it almost just is in such stark contrast to how he talks about 
Kirk Cousins or look, anybody. Look at him light up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. Or anybody who's not really a franchise quarterback. And and I think that's where Kirk kind of falls short is he's like just as we always talk about in that tier right below what you want in a quarterback, really, in terms of the top guys that can be your guy for 10 plus years. And if you're Kirk, I remember when he signed with the Vikings, a bunch of us went out to dinner with him, tried to get to know him, all that kind of stuff. And he had, we had asked him at one point, um, how long do you want to play? Like how many years? Like what's your, you know, and I remember him saying at the time, I don't need to be like Tom Brady. You know, I don't need to be playing until I'm 44. But if you're looking at the landscape, like you just mentioned and all that money out there, and then you're adding up in your head, well, wait a minute, just how much is that 40 year old season going to be worth for me? If I'm healthy as he's been and available as he's been for a lot of these games, um, it's probably going to be worth $50 million if he's still playing at that point. That's seven years of NFL salary cap increases down the road. And then his 20% or whatever of the cap or 18% that it is, is going to command that much money. And so if you're Kirk, what is best for Kirk? It's money. It's getting a lot of money and it's not budging on that money. And I have gotten no indication from anybody around Kirk that he's even entertaining the thought of not budging off of his value. This is the same guy in Washington who held steadfast, held firm. The guy who said he had advice for Dak Prescott on how to handle this because he felt so strongly about hitting the open market, doing short deals. The only reason he got a three-year fully guaranteed deal, the only of its kind in the NFL at that point, was because he was willing to do just three years. This is a guy who will continually bet on himself or his ability to get more money out of another NFL franchise. So why... Why would he sit there and say, you know what, Vikings, sure, let's, I'll do three, you know, I'll agree to $28 million a year over the next three years because that's going to help you guys. I even wonder why would he agree to something like with void years that would spread out this cap hit. I think the only way that the Vikings lower that number for him, and I should backtrack because to drop one more quote that was telling, I think it was Chad Graff had asked Quasey, would you be okay with Kirk playing out this year on one year $45 million? And Quasey said, define okay. And then he goes, I'm just kidding. But were you? <laughs> because that, that is something that I don't think anybody wants to stomach. And having that big of a number eat up all of your available money for that given year, they probably want to bring that down in any way possible, whether that's just getting rid of it or trying to negotiate with him to lower it. And if you're Kirk, why would you do that? The Vikings would have to sell him on trying to build a, the best team around him right now uh, and, and bring more assets in. I just don't know how they're going to pitch him on that because everything Kirk has done to this point is it being a shrewd businessman. And, and if you're the Vikings, why does that work for you to play out the contract or add void years? When you add void years, I mean, there's this idea from some people that I see where they think, oh, our team can do whatever they want with the cap. They'll just make it disappear. But it shows up somewhere else. Every time you push it somewhere, it's like, you know, if you're cleaning your room and you just shove the clothes under the bed. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean that the clothes are gone. It just means they're under the bed. And but I eventually, can't see them right now. Yeah, right. And you can't see them, but eventually your mom will come in and find that you just shove them all under the bed. And that's the NFL with the salary cap because, you know, when you add those void years, Sheldon Richardson and Anthony Barr, those guys are going to be on the Vikings cap this year and not play for the Vikings. That is devastating to you when you're trying to create as much space as possible and cap flexibility is gold in the NFL and the only reason to do that to push things down the road is when you have Drew Brees in his final year or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in their final year and who cares because the next guy is not Drew Brees it's Taysom Hill the next guy is not Aaron Rodgers it's Jordan Love and so this is our last chance to potentially win 
that's not the case for the Vikings. The last chance for the Vikings to potentially win anything was 2019. It was not 2020 or 2021 because they didn't have Super Bowl caliber rosters, and it certainly is not 2022 looking at what they have on their roster. Could they be a good team? Yeah, sure. Could they even win the NFC North if Rodgers gets traded, which he probably won't? But, like, yeah, sure. Are they a Super Bowl contender? No. Uh, not unless there are massive changes. And how would you make those massive changes even around a $30 million cap hit, even around a $28 million cap hit? How much money do you have to push to even make this not a giant cap hit? I mean, last year, Kirk was making, what, like 32 on the cap and was the second highest cap hit in the league. He's at 45 right now. You're spreading out $17 million over three years? avoid years for a guy who's going to play here and then be gone like what it just doesn't add up it's really to me how big are the offers or do we just play it out because when you start pushing money down the road as a new gm don't you want every dollar of flexibility in the future quasi adafalmente has a four-year contract i think that's really relevant like do you want to waste a year of of that with cousins going eight nine uh, not only that, but I mean, okay, so maybe you think that you can set things up and his offense will be better, you can make the playoffs, but do you want two years from now, you still dealing with dead cap from Kirk Cousins for that year you went 10-7 and seven and, and lost in the wild card round? Like, Are these good ideas long-term for somebody who kind of has a very clear timeline of by year three of him, this team has to be a legitimate contender. I didn't think about that in terms of Quasey's contract. And yeah, a guy who's a first-year GM and certainly thinking about his longevity in the job, dream job that he just got. Um, because you're right. Why would you burn one year right there? And so when Quasey talks about, do we do the one-year solution or the five-year solution at quarterback, he's got to be thinking long-term at this point because he's not necessarily – he needs to have a vision for the future. He needs to have a vision to sell this franchise. Um, and, and I don't understand how Kirk can be part of that. And everything we've heard from Quasey and Kevin O'Connell indicates that they're well aware of his shortcomings as a passer. And I just don't know how you could sell ownership. And ownership has to know, too. The Wilfs have to understand what they have in Kirk just as much as anybody, even if they you know, aren't the football experts. Um, the collaboration, the alignment that we hear, certainly seems to fall in line with also how this team seems to think about Kirk. Now, the reason why, though, that Kevin O'Connell is the steadfast one in saying that we're happy about Kirk, can't wait to build around him, all this stuff, is because that is what is best interest of the Minnesota Vikings to get anything for him. If you're an outside franchise and you know that this guy's dead in the water and they're going to move on from him, you're not going to give them anything. And so to your point, Matt, it, I, I, when Quasey says everything is on the table, I read that as two or three things but the fourth thing extending him long term is not it yeah yeah that's exactly right because again with the four-year contract i mean are you signing up for three years of a guy who just got everyone fired i just don't see that i also don't see a magic potion and i don't see guys who think they have a magic potion that was a big thing about talking about the off-schedule stuff with Cousins or the limitations or, well, when we give him the pass protection, it, it's an acknowledgement that there are weaknesses here that they are aware of, and I don't know that anyone believes you can work around them. You can. Here's the thing about the pressure stuff, the pressure stats. Well, what if we just got a better right guard and then there would be less pressure? Okay, sure, there would. How much, though? Because the also, offensive linemen – the Vikings have actually had healthy offensive lines the last couple of years. What if Brian O'Neill gets hurt? 
Like then what happened? Oh, the same thing that's just been happening. <laughs> like right, Bill. How many teams build a consistently great offensive line year after year? Dallas had this unbelievable O line in 2016. Like two years later, a couple guys got hurt. They're one of the worst in the league. And then you know the, Tyron Smith has been not super healthy. You know that kind of thing. They've had to move people around. Like it's very hard to maintain year after year. It's much easier to find a quarterback who's really uh, cheap in the draft that you can build around than it is to build this perfect offensive line for Cousins. But even then, he was only pressured on like 34% of his dropbacks this year. The guy who ranked 24th in the league, so meaning in a good way, pressure, had 30%. Like, what's that? The like, difference like, is marginal. Like yeah. 30 dropbacks, yeah. 40 yeah. dropbacks? Like, it's, yep. it's just not humongous where you can say the only teams that it would be humongous is the best offensive line in the league. And that's hard That's hard to maintain. The Browns had the best offensive line in the league two years ago. Everybody got hurt. They were no good last year. Like, it's it's just a very tricky thing to say, oh, we're the ones that can work around this issue with him off schedule and under pressure. And then I thought O'Connell made a great point about off schedule doesn't actually have to mean under pressure running around. Off schedule can mean, oh, my first read isn't look there or isn't right there. Oh, my second look isn't there. Oh, let me go back to my backside and then make some great throw. You know what I mean? Like off schedule doesn't it, it can mean even within the structure of a play, but that's not exactly what was supposed to happen. And Cousins is not very strong in that area either, even statistically. So I just think that if you're them, how are you looking at this with the weaknesses of the player and saying, let's sign up for that for lots and lots of money and restrict ourselves? And you mentioned O'Connell. O'Connell is in, is doing the right thing by saying as many good things as he can about Kirk Cousins, not just for his trade value, but he might have to coach him. And so you don't you don't want to you want to be the opposite of Zimmer in this way. I never understood why Zimmer couldn't just bite the bullet and say the same things that O'Connell says. But Zimmer was the ultimate "don't say it" meme. It's like "don't say it, don't say it. Oh, I said it." Like, <laughs> yeah, Zimmer couldn't help himself. I mean, Indianapolis is the same place where as we as. We all famously recount in Vikings media the, was it 2018 combine? It was right after the 2017 season where he savaged all the quarterbacks, and it was great um, just in terms of the candor. But you bring up the O-line stuff. Yeah, we just watched Joe Burrow drag a bunch of broken bodies in his own body uh, to a Super Bowl with just a, an awful offensive line where they paid Riley Reef in free agency. He wasn't even a part of it. Oh, how could you not draft Penny Sewell and take Jamar Chase? And, oh, it worked out pretty well. Um, I, I get that point, too. And we often hear offensive linemen with the Vikings talk about, we know how good Kirk can be when he's clean. We know how good he can be. We know how great he is when he's clean. And that's great. But no quarterback with these pass rushers, with these – you know, Daniil Hunter-like guys that are just being multiplied across the NFL, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to protect it. You're not going to be able to stop five guys from not getting injured, as you'd mentioned. And so that's a great point. And I don't know how they could anybody could twist themselves into thinking, outside of, like, the Vikings in 2017 where they felt like, God, we, should have, we have this tailor-made group to win now. I don't know who would want to bring him in in thinking that, yes, this is the solution right now, outside of like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers or something. Well, and the other thing that stood out was just the fact that Kwesi Adafo-Mensa did not like the idea of calling it a weak quarterback draft class. And now we don't know exactly how he operates in talking about such things. Rick Spielman, one area where he was quite honest is about the strength of different positions. 
we would ask him, hey, what are the, what was the year that all the running backs got taken? 2017? Yeah, I remember him raving about, like, oh, there's a ton of running backs who are going to get picked, and that's the strength of the draft. And then if it wasn't a strength, he would say something else about it. It would just be like, well, you know, there's no top end or something. He was honest about that. Uh, so I don't know if Quasey is 100% honest, but I thought it was very interesting that Quasey talked about the 2017 quarterback class and how, I mean – they drafted two running backs before Mahomes and Watson, and the league is just not good at this. It's just not. There's no objective analysis that says that the league knows which first round quarterbacks to pick. You can't. Otherwise, you would have Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, number one and number two overall picks in 2018, and instead Jackson goes 32nd. I think that the league is really terrific at identifying first round talents. So if three of these quarterbacks are drafted in the first round, they probably deserve it talent wise and evaluation wise. But as far as where they should be picked and who's going to be the guy that emerges, you don't really know. And, you know, Kwesi was sort of defensive about it in saying that he was impressed with meeting with the guys, which now there's reports that Malik Willis has been really crushing his interviews and there's momentum gaining for Malik Willis to maybe even be picked before where the Vikings go. But I just think it's interesting. We hear this so many years where it's, well, there's no perfect prospect, folks. The the Goff and Wentz here, well, folks, there's no perfect prospect. Both of their teams went to a Super Bowl shortly after that. Like how, if you're Kwesi Adafo Mensa and you understand all this stuff, all the analytics and numbers and the things that are written and the studies are done, but you somehow missed the structure of how quarterbacks are paid and how much value there is in having a quarterback on a rookie contract. I mean, come on. And that just, that doesn't pass the smell test. And, and so I think that it more of, that was my inkling about Kwesi and it sort of confirmed it talking to him yesterday. Do you think keeping Kirk on this contract precludes them from drafting a quarterback? No, no, not at all. I mean, if anything, it might be one of their strongest ideas. I think it's a stronger idea to sign Marcus Mariota uh, because I don't think there's that big of a gap between Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. Oh, that's a take. I don't even think it's controversial. I mean, Marcus Mariota's teams weren't all that good in Tennessee, won nine games. If you look at their QBRs, they're not that different. Uh, One guy is a better thrower. One guy's a better runner and a better playmaker probably. Uh, Maybe more of a leader. I I mean, I think that it's probably – give – any quarterback, here's what you have to do with this formula. We've seen the Vikings run an offense with receivers that has pumped up Teddy Bridgewater, career highs or career best performance in terms of wins, and then uh, Case Keenum had his best career year, never did it again. Sam Bradford completely changed the narrative on Sam Bradford for coming to the Vikings and having such a good year. Why would that not exist for another quarterback other than Kirk Cousins? We see all the time people on Twitter was like, wow. How could you replace this? Like, I don't know. Seems like everyone who gets Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and a play action boot offense can succeed. Why would Marcus Mariota not? This is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill went to the same type of offense, the boots, some good receivers, good coaching, and then all of a sudden he's putting up big numbers. Kirk is the only guy in the world who can do this? I don't think so. So they could compete for a year with someone like Mariota. 
and then develop a quarterback and have a year to see if the guy can play. And if he can't, then you draft another one. I see what you're saying. I do think Kirk is the best version, as we've heard Kyle Shanahan and all these guys talk about, the best version of that limited quarterback that you're talking about, the Tannehills, whatever. But is that, yeah, yeah. What, what are you losing by getting a lesser version of that guy? Are you really giving up that much? Are you even losing any more games than you would have in the past few years with Kirk? I think that's a fair question. What do you think Kirk's trade market looks like? We've spent the entire couple of days here listening to GMs and head coaches talk about their quarterback situations and how you know everybody's going to be looking uh, for that solution. Ron Rivera was talking about how Washington was in on Matthew Stafford last year and they got outbid by the Rams and how they're going to be in again this year on guys. Um, Denver, obviously. Um, Carolina is the, the rumor with, with Kirk Cousins all of a sudden, but it doesn't seem like they know what they're doing because they have the Sam Darnold fifth-year option coming up, which is just absurd. So there's so many different the, the musical chairs and the carousel that's going to go here. It wouldn't shock me if the Vikings end up getting some offer that they didn't see coming because some team, whether the Saints, the Bucks, who knows, is going to come up and say, "Hey, we, you know what? All of a sudden, Kirk, he wasn't the top of our list um, a few weeks ago. Now all of a sudden, he is." Well, and Jimmy G's hurt, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. It's all aligning with how much the Packers are doing with their salary cap for them to do the void years thing. I mean, if you're talking about having to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo coming off of shoulder surgery on his throwing arm or a completely healthy Kirk Cousins, eh, you know, right? I mean, and so here's my thing about Carolina. Here's why I love Carolina for the for a Vikings trade. Carolina is absolutely desperate. Matt Rule will be fired if they do not have a good year next year. So they can't play with Sam Darnold. The Vikings could take Sam Darnold and still end up net major positive on the cap side. Kirk is... 30, but they have to keep 10 already, but 35 would go to Carolina. 18 comes back in terms of salary cap. You still are plus 17. You better get a one with that, though. Well, if it's a two, is that a problem? Like, who cares about Sam Darnold? He's just not even a part of this. No, but it's the money thing, right? If you're only freeing up $17 million, like, that's almost the golf thing. Like, we're, we're going to offload something but then take on a bad contract. You better be giving us draft capital for that. Yeah, I mean, but I think with Kirk's situation, it's very hard to get more – like they're drafting sixth overall. That's really hard to get the sixth well, it overall. It might be next pick. year's one. I don't yeah. mean like okay. It now has next to year's be. one is really yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. uh, would you rather have this year's two or next year's one? Is a good conversation to have. But if it was a two and Sam Darnold, and I know people are going to go, Sam Darnold, he's terrible, right? But he's not a part of this. Like he'll be your backup, or he'll be who cares what he is. You could cut him. It doesn't matter. I think you could cut him after June 1st and get all that money. No, I think it's fully guaranteed. Or is it fully guaranteed? Yeah, okay, because yeah, okay. he was like the first year that it became fully guaranteed. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, you get plus 17, a second-round draft pick, and then you draft a quarterback, and that quarterback either plans to start or you sign another guy and have him compete with Sam Darnold and cut the loser or trade the loser, whatever. Is that a better long-term option, which is always the thing. When people say, "Oh, I, you know, I, we could be bad for a year," like what have you been the last four years? That in th- this is a it's a weird standard with Vikings fans because making the playoffs is not a, a, you don't put a banner up for that like that's not good and you've only made it once of the last four years. How is this good? In like what world is this good at sports? At any sports? And they even increased the playoff teams for you, and you couldn't make the playoffs. And this is good. This is okay. And tell me how it's going to be different. You're telling me that you're telling me that Kevin O'Connell is going to pass more on second down that'll make up, I don't know what, 20, 30 extra passes over a season on second down rather than runs. And all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins transforms 
and rises like the phoenix from the ashes to a Super Bowl quarterback? Like, no, that's not going to happen. And with no cap space to rebuild the defense, the defense will be the same. Mike Zimmer was bad at some things. He was not bad at defense. It was bad personnel. And guess what? It's still bad personnel. So, I mean, I I don't see any case for not taking a trade if Carolina was to offer that. But if you're the Vikings, why don't you just wait around? Like, why don't you wait and see? See who fills some seats in the musical chairs game and then be like, <laughs> look who's left. Yep. You get Kirk. That's what I meant. Like we're going to get to a point where all of a sudden Kirk might be the fifth option on, on Carolina's or somebody's list. And then all of a sudden you blink and he's number one. Cause it's just going to move that yeah. quickly. Yeah. It's going to move that quickly for him. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause Quasey mentions, um, mentions everything being in play with Kirk, but it seems like they've just got a few doors to choose from here. Well, and that's the thing. Another quote from him, everything being in play. That's not, we're not trading him. That's not don't call us. That's not lose my number. That's everything is in play. Oh, there's something in my eye. It's me winking at you. Like, I mean, that and and that was the presumption of us from the very start is that everything would be in play here. And the least likely to me was always a long term contract extension. But. Yeah, you know, I guess I'm gonna if they ultimately trade him, sort of reflect on the insider reports that they just couldn't get enough Kirk, and they were uh, printing out dollar bills with Kirk's face on them and throwing you know the money baths or whatever in the club. It's just like sort of a funny dynamic of how this is all played out uh, in terms of like the public just idea of what this would mean for Kirk Cousins. It's ending up to mean probably what we always thought it was going to mean, which is. No one's locking in their future to someone who hasn't won anything and has no upside as a 34-year-old player who, by the way, is coming off probably his best year. I mean, by PFF grade, it's his best year. By other traditional stats, it's one of his best years. And you still won nothing. I mean, what's the justification that this is getting better? If a 34-year-old baseball player hits 320 or something, or the next year, are you betting on that? Like, probably not, right? So... Yeah, I think all these complications to it will be resolved at some point. And that's my question for you: is like, what do you think timeline wise? Because I think they got to kind of they got to kind of move on it because of free agency. But then there's another part that's like, oh, we can wait. I think they can wait because I think there's enough contracts that they're going to address on their own roster right now outside of Kirk. Whether it's Daniel Hunter, Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, there are a lot of deals that are bloated, big that you could do things with like Adam Thielen's the kind of guy that I wouldn't be shocked if they redid his deal to keep him here um, or even potentially moved on from him if they felt like they had to. But with this offense and Kevin O'Connell coming in, I would think they would like to have Adam Thielen on this roster. And he's the kind of guy that might agree to a kind of deal that, that helps the team and does keep him here. Um, so you can kind of find ways to, to get, uh, to get, financial room to spend before you have to move that big piece so I don't necessarily think Kirk has to be the first domino to fall and everything but you can't wait right because every team is going to want its answer at quarterback right away this is all going to happen very quickly um, everybody but Deshaun Watson it's going to happen very quickly here in the next few weeks so I, I would be shocked if we get to the end of March and there's or even the middle of March you know third week and there's not some kind of answer to whether Kirk is going to be here or not um and even him remaining on the roster at that point, let's say he is, is still no guarantee that he's going to stick around. Because what if somebody comes along and offers you something that you weren't seeing uh, later on? I want to ask you about the defense now, too, because you brought up Barr Richardson. If you go down 
the list of the guys who played the most on defense last year for them. Um, six of their top nine, I think, are 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 uh, uh, free agents in terms of guys who played last year. Barr, Richardson, Alexander, Vigil, um, Woods, all those kind of guys. They could really wipe the slate clean here. And some of those guys are going to count a lot of money on their books anyway. You had mentioned how well Kirk played last year. And you still had a lot of those that talent on defense, that top dollar talent on defense, and you still couldn't do anything with it. So I can't imagine that they turn around and start bringing a lot of these guys back. Yeah, this is another idea that I see thrown out all the time: is well, you know, we had all these close games, so you know, why can't we just add a few things to that and then get a better result? And the problem is you can't copy and paste. Uh, players from last year leaving who weren't bad and xavier woods who by the way shares the name with a famous wrestler i found out recently does he now? yeah a wrestler by the name of king woods is huh. xavier king woods are we sure it's not him uh, yes this guy well i mean <laughs> this uh, yeah i guess I, I i mean xavier woods is not as big as this guy i would say okay well, he, yeah. so he doesn't moonlight as a wrestler no i don't think so I but really i thought that we was funny because every so often you just you know perusing around on television or something or youtube and then something pops up and you're like wait there's a guy named xavier woods who's a wrestler it doesn't matter but the point is xavier woods was a decent player for them last year so was patrick peterson so we're like nick vigil but like these guys played at an okay nfl level and you can always do worse remember that whole thing of like i can't do worse than trey wayne's like oh no you absolutely can and i'll show you you will uh <laughs> Breland, enter. A- average is pretty good <laughs> average is pretty good and so there were a lot of average players on the defense that ended up turning out bad and right now if they were to play a football game with the defense they had right now, it'd be the worst defense in the league. They just have n- nothing. They have so many positions that are open. They haven't developed people. Uh, the defensive end situation is brutal at the moment. Uh, I mean, DJ Wanham had eight sacks, but it's like sort of the most Fugazi eight sacks. You know, just I love that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I mean, and he's one of the worst in the league in terms of pressure rate. So that's probably not going to continue. So that's not really a franchise player or anything. Somebody did a cut up of his eight sacks, and I saw it on social oh, media. Gosh. And, and like, he wasn't touched on like, and they're all effort, right? They're all chased down. They're all like, yeah. none of them were like, I beat a guy. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a friend of uh, our show, Brandon Thorne, who does like true sack rate, where he watches the tape on these guys, and then like it's a little subjective, but kind of points out like what type of sack it was, and then who had the best sacks of, like, you beat a double team or you beat a guy one-on-one rather than, oh, it was schemed up and the quarterback just fell down and you touched him, which was a lot of DJ Wanham's. But uh, that's they, a lot of the Viking sacks, too. Not yeah. to interrupt you, but, like, over Mike Zimmer's tenure, like, I remember Mackenzie Alexander set a franchise record for sacks by a defensive that's back. That's right. He had that's four right. of them one year, and he wasn't touched on a single one. That's right. And, that, and, and that's the thing is, like, when you just assume that the next guy will be better than the last guy, it's pretty hard to assume Ed Donatello is just way better than Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer somehow schemed up 50 freaking sacks from a group that was not rushing the passer. And so you lose Anthony Barr. And this is a, this happens all the time where people be like, ah, well, you know, Anthony Barr, who cares? He's wasn't He was overpaid or overrated or whatever. Like, right, but someone else has to fill that position now. And we saw from Nick Vigil and Eric Wilson, they are not Anthony Barr. And that to me just says you need to draft a bunch of dudes and try to develop a bunch of dudes and take really good shots in free agency, meaning someone's 27, someone's 26, 
and maybe they haven't gotten a lot of playing time yet. Sign that guy. Or someone has maybe been in a bad situation or something like that. Um, I think Seattle has a couple of corners, and I don't know if it fits what Donatel wants to do, but they have a couple corners like DJ Reed, whose numbers are pretty good, but I think probably went under the radar because Seattle's defense was bad. He's 26 or 27. Look for those guys. Try to sign them to a little longer-term contracts and, and try to get some deals. I, I don't think there's any sort of fix. And now I've forgotten exactly what the question was. No, no, no. Like this I, is a, it's a good segue. We're talking about just the defense sticking around. Um, I got a question here from Rob. Wants to know, rank these guys in terms of the likelihood of them being on the team week one. Daniil, Patrick Peterson, Barr, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Bradbury, Michael Pierce. So there's six of them, all six of them. Well, I guess there's one guy I'm pretty confident it's going to be here, or two maybe, but Hunter, Peterson, Barr, Cook, Bradbury, Pierce. Okay, Hunter, Peterson, Barr, Cook, Bradbury, Pierce. Uh, for most likely to be here, I would say Cook. Yeah, that's where mean? I would start. Yeah. Yep. And then with Hunter, Barr, Hunter. Bradbury, Pierce, and Patrick Peterson. Uh, this, Hunter's next. This was segue with Hunter because you, you brought up the, the pass rush and how they just don't have it. Like, yes, this is a good, supposedly good pass rush class coming in with the draft, but even if you have Hunter, you need to take somebody or two people from that draft class. You can't get rid of Hunter, right? I think it's fine if they get rid of Hunter, but I just see things that are... How are, is that fine? Well, because who cares if you're bad next year? That's how I see it. Is But he could be good for like the next five, seven years. It's and true. This, and could, this could be like such a fluky period in his career, or yeah. it could be the start of the end. No, you're 100% right. However, are you willing to take the risk that someone who is so expensive that this isn't a fluky time of his career. Now, there are people who have tweeted me who have medical backgrounds who have said, well, you know, this shouldn't be that big of a deal. Right, right. But the neck thing, like this one probably isn't, but the neck thing might be. And then the thing about Daniel Hunter that we have to keep in mind is that this man, 28 is not 28 to everybody. He has played so much football from the age of 20 in the NFL that there are guys who come in at 24, and by the time they're 28, that's only four years of NFL on their body. This dude has eight years of NFL on his body and two major injuries that have kept him out either a half a season or a full season. And, oh, by the way, based on his production, he deserves $25 million a year. The, it's always a formula, and this is what is tough to explain sometimes, is that it's not like Daniil Hunter, oh, my God, like what a great player. I mean, I just uh, we marvel at him. But – that doesn't mean that it's always worth it mathematically. It's not just how much talent can you put on the field. It's not baseball where some billionaire uh, takes the bill, or I guess doesn't because they're locked out. But some billionaire takes the bill, and it's not your problem. And if some if some contract goes bust, if Josh Donaldson stinks, it's not your problem. It's their problem. They need to get somebody else and pay some more money, which I don't know if the Twins do that these days or not. But uh, the salary cap, it just changes every conversation. And I think if you move on from Hunter, whether it's like trade or just cut him, I don't know, and create that cap space, draft a defensive end high, whichever round it might be, first or second, depending on the quarterback situation, you just have to be realistic about where you're at. Like, there's no quick fixes of let's keep this one really talented player and then, you know, then we could just spot in around him. Because, okay, so let's say he's still good now, but by the time your defense is a complete defense, we're talking about a, a whole year or two from now. And, and he's then, 29, so what? 
but then is the salary cap will catch up with you because what do they always try to do? They always try to schedule them to have the lower salary caps first so they could create space for that year. So then the caps get bigger as it goes on. But he right? could count twenty million this year and you're still saving six million. Yeah. Like he's already so high on the right. cap. Right. So at, at that point, I think you don't necessarily have to massage it so much the way that they have in the past. But with Hunter, I would counter that Quasi comes from a line of thinking, and at least with how the Browns operated under Andrew Barry, is they're going to prioritize people in the passing game that affect the passing game. Uh, not, you know, set your Baker Mayfield jokes aside, but they're generally going to try and do that, whether it's um, JOK, the linebacker, or the pass rusher signing Jadavian Clowney. They're generally going to try to bring those guys in. And if you don't have Hunter, you are absolutely starting from ground zero. Like, you, you don't have anybody. So, so Which I mean, like that, that they basically don't anyway. I that, mean, but and then you're, you're the whole thing is you're hoping to find somebody like Daniel. Yeah, and you've got him. Sort of, you're because if you let's say that they decide they're going to draft quarterback and they draft quarterback in the first round and then they draft a defensive end in the second round, uh, and they look to free agency and use the money that would have gone to Daniel Hunter on two other pass rushers, and then all of a sudden now you have three players. At that position, assuming you're talking about fairly proven guys or or less injured or younger or whatever it might be, I mean, does that add up to a Daniil Hunter? And then you draft another one the next year and then another one the next year, right? And you're totally right that when you take the one good player that you have who's in his prime and, you know, jettison him, it feels pretty bad. But on defense, it just seems to me that one player – has so little of an impact relative to like what a quarterback would have that anyone can be replaced outside of like Aaron Donald and Daniil Hunter is really good, but is he going to be a player of that impact level or a player of more of the, and I don't mean average as an average defensive end. I mean, average, really good defensive end, a guy who gets a, a lot of sacks and is a very good player. And a lot of teams have a player like him. Is it is it impossible to find another guy who rushes the passer successfully with that amount of cap space, considering the amount of freaks coming out every year? I I just can't make it work. I mean, I like Daniil Hunter, and I have a, so much respect for him as a player, and he deserves all the money that he can get. But this is a ruthless game. It's a it's a mathematic, economical type of thing that you have to add up, and I can't make it work. What I think they probably want to keep some of the talented players, the way that they talk. Oh, we've got Harrison Smith. He's great. I'd be fine with moving on from Harrison Smith too. Like that, I'd be fine with moving on from Adam Thielen. Like I look at this team and this roster as being so short on talent, aside from one wide receiver, a tight end that might be decent, and a right tackle. And we'll see on Christian Derisaw. Outside of those guys, the running back makes no difference to me whatsoever. That's it. That's what you have for talent. Like there's nothing there. You are you're not Detroit where they were or Jacksonville, but you're not that far ahead of them as far as total roster talent right now. I just think the defense is even more barren than the offense. Yes. Yeah. And and that's Which why it's gonna take time, not just like yeah. one year and keep this guy. No, but I think if you're gonna prioritize anybody, so you, we jumped off on this point because you ranked him Dalvin. And then Daniil, which makes me think you think he's going to stick around. Is it just because of what we heard from Kwesi about him? Yeah. I, th- I mean, well, I think that ownership doesn't want them to be terrible. I mean, I think I just made a case that being terrible is fine and is probably better for them. And I don't mean like two wins or anything, but I mean, pro- last year they were a pretty terrible team. 
Uh, they went 8-9 eight, eight, and had to win a game on the last day in a meaningless situation, and they had a negative point differential. Like I think that's where you could be and then maybe draft in the top 10 and be in a really good spot organizationally. But I know that this makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. Like They don't want to watch a whole year of bad Minnesota Vikings football. I, I don't know if Kwesi can convince the Wilfs to be like, no, actually, that's going to be much better for us long term if we get this cap flexibility. Uh, and if they can't, then Daniil Hunter is going to be here. If they can, then Daniil Hunter probably won't. Who's the next most likely to be here between Patrick Peterson, Anthony Barr, Garrett Bradbury, and Michael Pierce? What's the argument for any of them? I guess Patrick Peterson, but then, yeah, to your point, you're paying for a stopgap at a position where you're not going to win anything right now, so why over— Why, why yeah. would he come back here? I think Patrick has shown that if you know, the highest bidder is going to— uh, Yeah, right, win. yeah, right. So, so it would be because somebody would well, give him money. I, I got the sense that last year the Vikings were the mark, like that his side went— you know who we could convince to take Patrick Peterson for an absurd amount of money? Spielman said that. Not, I know. Not in so many words, but he said, like, yeah, they called us. We, yeah, we, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So I guess I would say if I had to pick any of those, it would be Garrett Bradbury? Yeah. Because it's the a way rookie contract? Kevin O'Connell talked about him. Was, was, it, was, it, was it too much? Was it like it, it felt a little flowery for yeah. a, a bust of a first-round pick? Yeah. Yeah, it, it like did. if you are a babysitter and the parent asks you like how is little Timmy? Now you have a lot to gain financially from babysitting little Timmy. So even if he's a nightmare, you're going to be like, "Oh wow, what an angel." I mean, I just love him so much that you should continue bringing him here all the time and paying me for it. Right? You're not going to you're not gonna, when the guy's <laughs> under contract and you might end up being stuck with him, or, you know, you just kind of have to say these things. It's a little bit of the cousins thing. It's kind of what you're saying. It's right. Like, yeah, you don't want to like MF the guy and then coach right. him. And not only that, but with little Timmy, you're going to say like way too much probably. Uh, think about this. When This is one of those things that uh, you'll find on like weird YouTube videos that are how to spot someone lying. But this is absolutely true. When somebody over explains something, like uh, ask me if I stole your car, Andrew. Ask me if I stole your car. Did you steal my car? No, I did not steal your car. Why would you think I stole your car? That's the whole answer, right? <laughs> now, let's say I did steal your car. Ask me if I stole your car. Matt, did you steal my car? Well, look, what happened was, see, your car was sitting there running, and I needed to go to the gas station, and then I just kept driving, and then things got out of control. The cops were there. I, you had an AK-47 in the back. I started shooting at them, and then like things got out of control. But other than that, no, I didn't steal your car. All of that was true. All of that was <laughs> right. true, by the way. You, you know what I mean? Like the overexplain. Yeah, this is what happens in Indy, folks, after 2 a.m. But that's th- what I mean is that people people will overexplain when they really want to convince you of something that's not true. And I think that that's what we heard from Garrett Bradbury. I think this question was curtailed for you. Nick wants to know if Kirk ends up playing on this deal this year. Are you both mentally prepared for the Kirk question to drag on for a whole nother year? He says it's got to be exhausting to cover at this point when fans are restless and we don't have many answers. Look, I mean, you're never going to hear me complain about what we do. It's that. I mean, it's really that's really straightforward. Uh, it's fine. Like from my own personal perspective, if they keep Kirk, they keep Kirk, and we cover the team the same way. 
Uh, if they trade Kirk, we cover the team the same way. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm going to talk football with you because I love talking football with you no matter what. And, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, because I, I, I get that all the time. And I think yeah, that yeah. Be- because we get attacked on Twitter and stuff that uh, well, well-meaning people like Nick, who's a great supporter of Purple Insider, will say like, oh, man, I feel bad for you guys having to deal with this. And like, I don't want that. Like, that's this is all fun to me. Every day is a carnival and we're extremely lucky to be able to do it. So it's it's not so much that I think the struggle is what's new to say is the struggle more than anything is if they keep cousins and you already know the answers to the test before then it's like hmm, like how do we evaluate even what's going on what do we talk about what do we write about when you know the path is forged for the 2022 season before it starts you know we'll try Oh, well, Connell's running a new form of bootleg. I don't know. Right? You know, I mean, we've done this. We've done this. Well, oh, they, you know, they got a they drafted offensive linemen and maybe this is the year that, you know, we've just done this so many times. Yeah. I think that's the the struggle for me uh is okay, what are some new ways to talk about something that has already kind of bared itself out? Born itself out? Borned itself out. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think there's going to be plenty to talk about this year, regardless of Kirk's here or not, whether it's, you know, the defensive side of things, Kevin O'Connell's offense. I mean, there's just going to be so much. The data-driven approach, like, this is a new horizon for Minnesota football. And even if they're setting themselves up to go 2-15 and 15 and get a top pick, it's still going to be interesting in terms of how they change things. It's going to be very different, not only just schematics, X's and O's wise, but how the, the you know, thought leaders, as they call themselves, how they kind of approach all of this and how Quasi approaches the draft and free agency and everything. It's going to be fascinating to see. And so the last question I wanted to ask you is Jason wants to know who has the better 40 time between the two of us. I think you've got the stride down. I think you, you know you're taller. I longer. run. Yeah, yeah, I run. I think that's maybe part of it. You're not a runner, right? No, I do. Yeah. Oh, you do. You're yeah. a jogger. Yep. yep. Okay. I try to try to get a you know good five mile runs which, in every week. Which max speed? Five mile? Oh, that's impressive. You know, at one yeah at a time. You know, uh, max speed. I don't, no, I, that's I don't a joke. Ma- yeah, I, yeah, I don't, don't max know my max out. speed. I don't. It's it's definitely not ty- you know Tyree Kill. I level. think that I would say maybe I have a little more natural athleticism. <laughs> A little, a little more burst. Using the NFL cliches to break yeah, down our 40 times. A little more burst. I have a, a height advantage, though I don't have long legs. Oh, you don't? Are you you're, no. uh, you're a squatty body? Um, I am a uh, <laughs> Brett Jones-level squatty body. And if I keep eating the way I am in Indianapolis, I'm going to look like Brett Jones, by the way. Jeez, it's been a tough week. Uh, Somehow your buddy Sage Rosenfels has kept the, kept the, the off-season I know. weight yeah, off. Yeah, Sage, so. Sage is in great shape. The post-career um, weight off. I think I think that I would be a little faster, but I would not say by like a ton. My max speed's not quick. Where I'll smoke you is in the three cone. You got the agility quick down. Quick as hell. You better watch out. You're going to be uh, signed to be a guard for the Minnesota Vikings if you keep talking up your three cone. <laughs> I'm drill. the same weight You're as Garrett sl- Bradbury. <laughs> You're slender. <enough. laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Matt, for being on with us. Everybody, check out purpleinsider.com, where Matthew does a bunch of good work with a bunch of people covering the Minnesota Vikings. For all you diehards out there, I'm sure you already know about it. And then while you're at it, check out startribune.com.